0: To do that in the next 20 minutes or so. We're going to rewind about three years before that. And we're going to look at the story of Jesus meeting someone with needs. Because Jesus was the one who provided and promised the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to see what happened when Jesus met someone. And then um, what difference that meant on that person's lives. But also on the people around. Some of the people obviously have positive experience of meeting Jesus but actually there's some people will see who when they encountered Jesus and his words of truth they were unhappy. Hopefully you're in the first lot of people but we're going to see the different groups of people when they heard from Jesus. I could tell you many stories of different people meeting someone else such as my mum going to the butchers or a friend of mine meeting the crankies in Bilston which did happen, did. Um, the, the crankies, for those who were young, they, they were brilliant when we were little. They were like our Anton Deck. Oh, they were marvellous. We won't go into too much detail about that it was a, a woman dressed as a man and they're married and all that, but it was all marvellous. So I could tell you those stories, but those stories don't make a difference in the long term. Stories of people meeting with Jesus, however, are incredibly significant because they tell us who he was, and if we believe that, who he is today. And whether we've just started to look at the life of Jesus, or we've done this for years, there are still things we can learn. So together we can explore what happens when somebody meets Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 2. If you don't, don't worry. It's going to come on the screen in a moment. If you're not used to reading the Bible, the Bible's divided into 66 books. Four of these books are called the Gospels. You know when we, you might have heard the phrase gospel truth? So those Gospels talk about what Jesus did when he was on earth. And if you want to start reading the Bible or you need to get back into it, the Gospel of Mark is a very good place to start. If you don't have a Bible, come and see Rachel or Kev. Um, We'll do what we can to get you on, because it's really good to read about Jesus there. So we're going to read Mark chapter 2. So when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors, there was no more room, even outside the door. While Jesus was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived Carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat and and go home and the man jumped up grabbed his mat and walked out through the stunned onlookers they're all amazed and praise God explaining we've never seen anyone like this before an amazing story isn't it of somebody who came to Jesus with needs and those needs were met now don't know if you're There are different types of learners we talk about in schools a lot. For some of you, by hearing that or reading the words on the screen, that would have really helped you get what that was like in the story. You'd have got all the sights and the smells and the sounds. You would have got it bang on. But unfortunately, other people are different types of learners. So to help that, and especially because I knew some of the children would be in today because we don't have a Sunday school today, I thought I'd bring a friend of mine along who's going to do a drama for us to help us work out about uh, this story and help us get it in our minds. Now, some of you might have met my friend before, so if you have, don't worry. But those of you new... This is one of my best friends, because uh, me and him talk this story a lot. And this person's called Fred. So you might wonder why he's one of my best friends, and then you realise another of my best friends is Joe Clark. So you realise there's not much difference talking to Cardboard or Joe. But anyway, Fred is going to help us tell the story. So Fred was somebody... We're gonna, we don't know the man's name in this story but we're going to call him Fred because we've got Fred here. Now, Fred, unfortunately, he was paralysed, which meant Fred couldn't use his legs. His legs wouldn't work. So Fred had to stay on his bed, and on that bed is where Fred would stay. He couldn't go to the shops on his own. He couldn't go to McDonald's. Well, he couldn't anyway because it wasn't invented then. But Fred had to stay on his bed. It's quite a sad story because he wouldn't be able to get around Capernaum. He would just stay there because his legs wouldn't work. So he'd just stay on his mat and stay there. And that is Fred's story. The end. Well, we know it isn't the end because we read the Bible story, but I'm glad you joined in there. It isn't panto, though. So... Fred's story didn't end there. We know that Fred had some friends. Now, can any child tell me how many friends Fred had? Any ideas? Any ideas at all? We're going to stay here forever. For Thank you, Zach Jenkins. Or Sunday lunch wouldn't have happened then. He had four friends. We know at least that because the Bible said they used to pick up a corner of his mat and take him. Well, they took him in this instance to see Jesus. We don't know how they knew Jesus was there. Maybe when in town one of them had heard, you know, when you're over overhearing people in the shops as they're talking and you hear, ooh, ooh. And they're saying something quite interesting and heard jesus is coming to town so they went a bit nearer jesus is coming to town what bit nearer jesus is coming to town wow that one friend who heard that could have been more that would have been really exciting so they went back and as a four they could have made plans about going to see jesus about what they are going to do, how they were going to get the best spot and all the things they were going to hear because they knew Jesus told amazing teaching and did amazing things. However, they thought about one of their other friends, Fred, who was on his bed because he couldn't walk. What about him? What about making him go and see Jesus? So they decided to pick up his mat and take him to the house where... Jesus was however in those days houses were very different to our houses today houses then didn't have the pointy roof they probably had flat roofs and stairs on the side so just bear that in mind when you're thinking about the house but the thing we know about the house at the moment is you couldn't get in it was packed you couldn't get through the door or the window It was so, so packed. Even outside, there were crowds. So they thought together, what are they going to do about this? How are they going to help Fred? They thought, hmm, what are we going to do? Hmm. Suddenly, remember, they thought about the stairs on the side. They took Fred up his bed, up on the stairs, and they got to the top of the house. And then they thought, oh, what are we going to do now we're here? In those days, the roofs, remember they were flat, but also they were made of mud and clay. So they'd started to scrabble, and they not play scrabble. That wouldn't have been appropriate there, or Monopoly. They started to scrabble through the roof. And as they did that, they started to make a little hole soon this hole became bigger and bigger and bigger and if you were down below in the crowd with Jesus you would have seen a a hole starting to come you probably would have felt a lot of mud on your hair as well and that wouldn't be good if you got your best clothes on to see Jesus but anyway so this hole became bigger and bigger and they thought what are we going to do now they thought mmm again and we don't know where they got it from but they got four pieces of rope and they attached that to a corner each of Fred's bed and they lowered him down to Jesus. By then, everybody was looking. Everyone was seeing what Jesus would have to say. Jesus said to him, your sins are forgiven. But people got angry about that Jesus said, Well, what's harder to say your sins are forgiven or get up from your mat and walk? Everyone was like, What? We know Fred. He hasn't been able to walk for years. But as he got up, he started. Probably he thought his legs were a bit wobbly, but soon he was able to walk. I imagine he was able to dance. And I imagine he ran from the place so excited about what had happened. And that story is about what happened when Jesus met Fred on his bed. And Fred was taken there by his four friends. And we're going to see what use those friends had and how we can be like them. So let's give Fred a round of applause as we put him away. Like Joe Clark. Fred gets very like tired after a bit of physical exercise, so he has to rest now. (laughs) So looking at this story, what can we learn from it? Well, firstly, life isn't always easy. Whatever your belief, whether your belief is new or you've had it for years, you will know that things happen in life that makes things difficult. In your family, your friends, in yourself... We've seen in the news over the last few weeks and even last night's terrible events in our country, things around the world, that things happen that just uh, are so difficult for people to get their head round. Christians, people who believe in Jesus, don't have a magic force field. Like I remember in He-Man and things like that, they get out their force field. They don't have that. They don't have this special power that means nothing bad or testing happens to them. We see in this passage a man with genuine need, something that caused pain and hardship in his life. Jesus said, however, come to me all who are burdened and I will give you rest. And that's what the friends decided to do. I'm sure they probably did lots of other things to help Fred. I don't think, well, we know he's not called Fred now, whoever this man was called, I imagine they did other things, but we know that they took him to Jesus. They pointed him to Jesus. I'm sure people here are good and kindly. Looking at your faces, some of you aren't, some of you are as hard as nails, but most of you, good and kindly people. I imagine you do lots of things to help people, whether in your workplace, people you don't know, people around your neighbours, when you know they're struggling. But we've also heard today about people who as well as helping with the needs where people needed something to eat and drink, but they also pointed them to Jesus. And that is so important for us to think about. Whatever needs we have in our lives and the people around, yeah, there are things that practically can happen on earth, practical things that can help, but also are we pointing to Jesus are we looking to Jesus in our own life in those times of struggle for that comfort that He says He will provide, that rest when we are burdened? The second thing is, Jesus can be crowded out if we're not careful. It is the friends and the man could have just given up. I don't know if you've ever got to a venue and it's absolutely crowded and you think, oh, just can't be bothered with this. It actually happened to me yesterday in the, the ball ring, not the ball ring, what's it called, the Eat Central. We, went, we decided, friend and I, we were gonna have tapas. And we were like, got to the tapas place, absolutely just rammed. And we're like, oh, we're never gonna get a table. We're gonna be waiting for years. We, we'll go somewhere else, we'll go somewhere not as good, but we'll do that. And then we're like, no, we're a bit bold. Have you got a table? Oh, see, he started speaking Spanish, which struggled me with slightly. But he got us through. But we could have easily put up, been put off by the crowd. And so often we can be put off by the crowds that block us, the things that block us seeing Jesus. Many people who are Christians over the years have had sort things that could stand in their way. And sadly, some of them have just thrown in the towel. Things that stop you getting to know Jesus more. Maybe your job, your friends, ambition, house, car, Facebook, hobbies, disappointment. The four people carrying this paralysed man are an example to us. Don't give up. Press in. Look to Jesus. I'll repeat that. Don't give up. Press in. Look to Jesus the next one point 3 sins are forgiven this is one of jesus's usp now i like watching dragon's den you know when you watch dragon's den and you think i could be a dragon i could tell them what what for i would invest in their business and make it great you, you in your armchair sort of you know what you could do to make a marvelous business and there They often talk about USP, your unique selling point. As a teacher and rabbi in those days, there were loads of them, hundreds, probably thousands of people who said, here is how you interpret the Jewish scriptures. But Jesus' USP was that he claimed he could forgive sin. Sin is simply described as the things that we do, think or say that hurt God and hurt other people. Throughout Jewish history, complex rituals and sacrifices took place in order to get God to forgive sins. Jesus saying your sins are forgiven would have shocked a lot of people. People knew that only God could forgive sin. It was that sort of comment that annoyed the religious types. We don't want to be religious types, do we? We don't want to be those people who actually... Everyone thought that, oh, they'd welcome Jesus, they're the Jewish leaders. But they were the people who actually blocked him and eventually killed him. I know in my life, and also unfortunately seeing around, there are times, however, we can be like that. We can see Jesus doing stuff and we get all, "Mm, why is this happening? Unfortunately, as well, not everyone who says they're Christian Our Christians, who are living the Christian life, who are living the life that Jesus told us to be. We need to be careful. I imagine there were so many people in that crowd who, as well as loving Jesus, really listened to those religious types. The people who got it totally wrong. We need to make sure that we're listening to Jesus. The person who comforts us, carries our burdens. That we don't crowd him out or listen to the wrong person. And comments like this about that Jesus forgiving sins, that was the sort of thing that got Jesus killed by those religious leaders in their minds. Those are the things that annoyed them. Jesus didn't just say he could forgive sins. He also said a number of other things that rocked the world at the time and continued to rock it. He claimed to be the one who would judge the world. He claimed to be the Messiah. He claimed to be the Son of God all are massive massive claims and if we accept these and continue to live knowing those in our hearts and they ex- affect the way we live they change how we see the world and how we live our lives remember there's the story of jesus appearing to doubting thomas after his resurrection when he rose from the dead when he came back to life and thomas says my lord and my god and jesus basically says "Yeah." that's me, got two quotes coming on the screen, the first one, C.S. Lewis, you might think, who is that, he's the guy who wrote the Narnia books, you know, Aslan, Big Lion, Ra, that, he said this about Jesus, a man who is merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said wouldn't be a great moral teacher, he'd either be insane or else he'd be the devil of hell, you must make this choice, Either this man was and is the son of God or else. um, But, sorry. Either this man was and is the son of God or else insane or something worse. But don't just come up with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He hasn't left that open to us. He didn't intend to. Strong words. But that's from a guy a while ago. Bono. You know him? You too. Uh, In the name of love and all that and. uh, with or without you. Yeah, see, that was my chance. I think I wrecked it, but anyway. And he was asked, you think, oh, he does loads in the world, saves the planet, and uh, s- does massive crowds. But he was asked by an interviewer, Christ, Jesus, has his rank amongst the world's great thinkers. But son of God, isn't that far-fetched? Because really, that, everything about Jesus pins on him being the son of God. Bono replied, I'm not going to do the accent, by the way. No, it's not far-fetched to me. Look, the secular response to the Christian story always goes like this. He was a great prophet, obviously a very interesting guy, but actually Christ doesn't allow you that. He doesn't let you get off that hook. Christ says, I am God incarnate. So what you're left is with either Christ, who was he said he was, or a complete nutcase. I'm not joking here. The idea that the entire course of civilization for over half the globe could have its fate changed and turned upside down by a nutcase, for me, that's far-fetched. And when it says incarnate, that means God as a human being. Jesus' life and work support his claims. People sometimes say Christianity is boring. Jesus was never boring. So those of you who are Christians who sometimes think you have to be boring, imagine going to Jesus going with Jesus to a party. He turns the tap water into wine. Imagine going to Jesus with a picnic. Five loaves and two fish become a feast for thousands. Hospital, where people are ill, the sick and lame get up and go home. And a funeral, the dead man gets out of his coffin and walks out. Jesus' character supports the claims he made as well. He lived for others a selfless life. He was courageous in death, dying for others. Christians believe that Jesus' death means all the sins that we've done, everything wrong we've ever thought, done, or said can be wiped clean. Remember I said those religious leaders were so outraged that Jesus said he could forgive sins and the sins of the paralyzed man? It's because they were so wrapped up in their ideas of sacrifice. Well, Jesus, Christians believe that Jesus' death, probably about three years after this story, was a sacrifice to get rid of all the sin in the world for good he'd done nothing wrong he was so perfect and his enemies couldn't find anything to convict him of so if all this is true if jesus is god the physical resurrection that jesus means coming back to life that's a huge cornerstone of Christianity. As the writer and atheist Richard Dawkins, who often is knocking Christianity, says, he's been quoted as saying, if the resurrection is not true, Christianity becomes null and void. And he's right. The resurrection, Jesus coming back to life, is the foundation of Christianity and all the claims that Jesus made, especially in this passage we've been looking at. Christian experience over the last 2,000 years have meant millions, even billions, have followed Christ and have experienced a relationship with him. And that is my experience and many folk here. If the bank could come up please. So to sum up what I've talked about today. Jesus is real. He's a real figure in history who existed. He's not just an ordinary man. He made a paralysed man walk. He claimed to be the Messiah. God's son who could forgive sins. He died on the cross and rose again. He sent the Holy Spirit that we talked about on Pentecost to work in the world and strengthen his followers. Trusting Jesus is a step of faith, but there is proof to help us make that step. Let's go back to the paralysed man. His life was changed in a radical way when he met Jesus. His mat carriers helped him overcome massive obstacles that stood in his way. What obstacles do you need to overcome? Is it understanding? Is it doubt? Do you need to find more out about Jesus? Is it life and all its barriers? Maybe that's made you weary. You've tried to live the Christian life and you're just finding it crowding you out. Is it that you just find it hard to believe in Jesus just by looking at these stories from 2,000 years ago? Or do you just have so many questions buzzing around in your head? Like the map carriers in this story, don't give up in your quest to find the truth about Jesus. Whether you feel you're new to the faith or you've been a Christian for years, don't be discouraged. Ask people for prayer. There are folk who'd be happy to pray for you here at the front at the end of the service. And it's not about them. They're just here to try, as the people in the street have been over this week, to just point you in the direction of Jesus. Because like in this story, when people encounter Jesus, who we believe is alive today, and hears our prayers, that then amazing things can happen. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your life. We thank you for your words. We thank you for your actions. We thank you for your death. We thank you that you rose from the dead and that you can just intervene in people's lives today. We just ask that your hope And your promises would be so clear to those who need it. That those words that they read that you say or they hear you say would just be so real and practical for them. Make yourself known to people in this place in a clearer way today, Lord. Amen. Amen.